Welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. Those are all pillars in my life as I continuously strive to become better day after day. Not perfect by any means, but I enjoy having great conversations with some awesome guests that spend their time with me for an hour, a little bit more, share some stories, talk with you about their expertise in certain areas, or even just share ideas and and knowledge and experience that they've learned uh, throughout their years of outdoorsmanship, family life, uh, spiritual life, etc. And I get to share those with you. I just record them and share them with you. (laughs) I don't do much editing at all, guys, to be honest with you. I want you to get as if you're in the conversation right there with us in the moment. So with that being said, I've got an outstanding guest for you guys today. His name is Joe Higginbottom, and he is an outstanding individual. He's the one that helped me pack out my elk this year, and I love the conversation that we had that I get to share with you guys. He's just a down-to-earth guy, has had amazing experiences, has lived in multiple different countries, has traveled, has had an amazing career, and just now has settled down kind of, because he still travels a ton, but in Colorado and loves the outdoors, loves hunting, loves getting just on the mountain and sharing amazing experiences with different people. And just, just to share with you guys a little bit about Joe, the fact that he drove an hour and a half to come help me pack out an elk on a cold day in the mountains when he had many other plans that he could have been doing, he chose to come and help me with my elk. He also hunted with us for the full 10 days that we were out there with the First Form Outdoors crew, and he didn't even go with a tag. He just hunted with us just to have a great time and share his knowledge and experience of the area and get to know us. So if that doesn't tell you what kind of guy he is, I don't know what else to tell you because Joe is just, he's a stud. With that being said, guys, before we hop into the podcast, the conversation here, I want to let you know, if you're hearing this within the first week of this being out, go check out the First Form Outdoors page, or even go to my Instagram. I'll leave the link down below to where you can get signed up for the First Form Outdoors November Knockdown Challenge. Guys, you want to get into this. It doesn't cost anything. It is free for you to get entered into this competition. You can win up to $10,000, a trip to headquarters to compete in the finals of the November Knockdown Challenge, guys, you want to be a part of this. You will never have another experience like going out to headquarters at first form. I'm telling you. During this challenge, you are going to test yourself through workouts, through shooting your your bow. Uh, We're going to have different ways to score it, different ways to upload your video, and to compete with people throughout the entire nation. Guys, I'm telling you, you want to get in on this. If you're not into archery, I totally understand. We still want you over at the First Form Outdoors Facebook page. We do weekly calls. We put in amazing things there. If you're not on Facebook, let me know. We'll get you in to the weekly emails so that you can be in there with an amazing group of individuals that we do meetups. We do things in the outdoors, everything from fishing to hiking, hunting, archery, rifle, competition, outdoor shooting events, etc. Go check it out. But guys, right now, First Form Outdoors, November Knockdown Challenge. Get entered into this. It's like nothing else you've seen or been a part of. Go get entered. Links down below. 
Have an amazing day. Let's get into this conversation here with Joe Higginbottom. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. I have who has now become a good friend, Joe. Uh, we spent many, many days in the mountains suffering and uh, suffering for good reason with this guy back here, if I can figure out where to point. Um, but also with some outstanding individuals with the First Form Outdoors team. Uh, Joe, we met over Zoom as we were e-scouting certain areas, trying to figure out where we wanted to go. Uh, we went to Colorado on a hunt, and uh, and Joe was very gracious. I even at one point asked Joe, we'll get into this, why he's sharing so much information, because it's not normal for people to do that about their, their little honey holes. But Joe is just an outstanding individual, loves the outdoors, loves hunting. He's had many, many years of experience in the military. We went down that rabbit hole while we were in the mountains, of course, around the campfire. Uh, I grew up near Fort Bragg, which is where Joe spent a lot of his time in the military. And so we just had a lot of connections happen in a very short amount of time. And uh, some of the best friendships are formed that way. But Joe, um, I mean, you own companies, you've got a bunch of different titles, you wear a bunch of different hats. And I would just boil it down to you're a good dude that loves the outdoors and uh, got to share Colorado with us. But for people who want to know who you are, who are you? You know, thanks, Jonathan, for that great introduction. I am, I am Joe Higginbotham. I uh, I do wear several different hats depending on the scenario I find myself in. And uh, a little bit about myself: I, I I started the military when I was 17, six days after graduation. Joined the army. I uh, was an infantryman for nine years down at down at Fort Bragg, in 82nd. Then decided I want to take another career change. Uh, in 2001, matter of fact, during that career change was 9/11, and then spent most of my time after that, the rest of the 24 years, at Fort Bragg or in the D.C. area, working for a couple different agencies. And then after 24 years, I just decided, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to go home. So they said, yeah, we'll pay you to go home, and you can go do whatever you want. And you'll get a paycheck. And I said, oh, that sounds pretty good. So let's go do that. And a few months later, I was packing things up. And I came out to Colorado to meet up the rest of my family that had moved here previously. I'd always come out here visiting. I love, I'm love. i right on the edge of the Grand Mesa National Forest. I actually called my first bull in sitting up on a ledge with a, a Primos bite and blow uh, cow call. And then the, it, the, the, the hook was set. I said, I got to come out here. So fast forward, I'm here and just a great place. It, it, I, if you don't like the outdoors, this is not the place for you because there's so much to do. Uh, see, I've had a, got a, you mentioned a couple companies, started a company recently with a friend of mine called Mountain High Provisions. And that's a seasoning company. It's a veteran owned company. I own the majority share of it. It is registered as a better-known small business. It, uh, we we want to try to take on some of the other seasoning companies and use them small batch quantities and that kind of thing. And everything is, like I said, small batch, and it is it's geared towards wild game. We focus a certain seasonings and blends towards waterfowl or trout or uh, bear, deer, elk, and we kind of say, hey, if you're if you got, especially with bear, that seems to be the biggest thing. What are they eating on 
and that's what's kind of have that that's what's going to have their that taste towards it so we we like to talk to people and say well if you've got a bear that's in the wild eating acorns this might be better for you if you're eating on just been eating on fruit like out here in the orchards where i live it's going to have a little bit of a sweeter taste you might want to tame that down a little bit with something a little stronger so anyway and then i'm just an all-around just uh spend a lot of time in the outdoors here i i'm I'm, like this morning went hiking looking at tracks and stuff i'm always the guy that's looking to see what's been traveling around what's been what's been snooping around the area plus we're in bear country here Uh, we got a lot of bear and around the locating uh, the trails in the vicinity and they're starting to migrate up and down to figure out where they're going to go where the acorns are where the the, what little berries are left so uh, yeah i'm just always out in the outdoors love uh have other veterans that that come out and they just need a time and a space to just get their head right um i open my door and say hey you can stay here i have amazing views and uh, just blessed to be able to give back to other people sorry there was a yeah there was a little technical difficulty i uh screwed up the microphone there it was picking up on my headphones rather than this fancy mic that i spent way too much money on uh so i had to change that over uh but no joe was just you know talking about how you absolutely love the outdoors uh, it was cool hearing your knowledge when we were up there um you get you did keep telling us that there was bear everywhere i I really think what happened was joe went out the night before and was dropping bear scat everywhere and making bear prints uh so that because we never saw a bear but maybe that's a good thing (laughs) i'm back i I was in three bear right after you guys left yeah (laughs) but uh no in all reality it was cool um joe's knowledge of the area and the short amount of time that you know you've been in colorado um, I know a lot of people talk about Colorado. Now, I, I will say I've driven through Colorado a couple times. I've spent a little bit of time in Colorado Springs. It's gorgeous country, but I've never actually gone into the mountains like I did during those 11 days that we were there um, in different areas in, in Colorado. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I do wish, uh, I will say, we didn't see really any transition in the Aspens until like the last two days that I was there when they started actually changing the, the colors, which for me is, I mean, the Aspens for something or for some reason that yellow and white transition with the green is just gorgeous. It's one of my favorite trees around this time of year. But anyway, Joe knows a lot about this, these particular areas that he's hanging out with and are hanging out in. And I, I appreciate that knowledge. Um, so we met just kind of lining this up. We talked about this kind of at the beginning too, but, uh, we were planning out our first form outdoors trip. I've never been to Colorado, like I said, outside of driving through it. So it was kind of like we had, we were doing our own research, figuring out what areas had good density of elk population, et cetera. Where did we want to go? And then e-scouting from there. And so, uh, you knew Jake and, uh, from working through first form. And so you guys got connected, you hopped on a call and then me in the limited time that I've been in Western hunting, uh, I was a little skeptical because you kept, you were giving us all this knowledge on this unit. And in my mind, I'm like, one, is he sane or two, is this, is this unit actually as good as he's saying it is because you're given so much knowledge. It's almost like, like I understand it personally, but I haven't come across many people that are genuinely okay with giving this much knowledge unless there's some kind of hook 
And by hook, I mean, it's a limited entry unit or it's something that you're more than likely not going to go to or things like that. And so I did pose that question in the Zoom call after getting to know you for a little bit. I was like, not to be rude, but why are you not hunting here? And why are you telling us so much stuff about it? And so I, I want to ask you, what did you think when I asked you that question? I immediately, I thought this guy thinks I, I want something out of it. And he's asking me, am I crazy? And to quote one of my favorite bands, I'm crazy and that's okay with me. I, I just, my thought was, okay, yeah, he poses a good question. Why in today's world would someone volunteer and say, Hey, here's all the honey holes. You, you know, someone made a comment. like, it looks like your, like your map has chicken pox. And <laughs> why do you have, why all these, it's, it's just, it's just a big smattering of waypoints. And to counter that question, I think it says, listen, you're an, all you guys are non-residents. You're going to pay a lot of money to come here as a resident. I'm not paying anywhere near what you're paying. And a friend of mine in the industry taught me years ago, said, help the non-residents out. They carry the burden for, for the fees and keep the, the wildlife, whatever DNR, whatever you have for your state, whatever you want to call it. You're, you're basically your game warden offices. They're the ones carrying the heavy load and the heavy lift of keeping those office lights on and keeping officers paid and gas in their trucks and all that stuff. As non-residents, they're most likely not going to hunt as much as you are. And you don't have, most people don't have the ability to come out here and actually put scouting, put boots on the ground when they scout or hang trail cameras. I've actually done that for a guy in Iowa. I met through another organization and he's mailed me a couple trail cameras through the years and say, Hey, can you go hang these in this area? And I want to orient it a certain way. Yeah, sure. Got it. Uh, it, one, it gives me another excuse to be out in the woods and maybe find some new territory, but to go back to the question of why, why not? There's enough, there's a, there's millions. This isn't some little small section of public land in, in North Carolina where it's going to be just heavy pressure in it, people can spread out here and there's enough elk out there and it's hard enough in archery over the counter units, DIY, you know, the percentages are so low for success. Why not help you? Why not help people? There's too much, in my opinion, there's too much stinginess and protecting the rice bowl in the outdoor industry. And I understand it when it comes from a technology standpoint, and guarding your secrets of how this garment's made or how this trail camera works better than another or some some kind of proprietary thing. But it's it's our land. It's it's my land. It's your land. Those elk don't belong to anybody. This isn't some ranch with a high fence around it. Let's get after it. And if I can help you guys be successful and help others maybe it maybe coming here me sharing some waypoints with you guys and having you guys come out here and joining up may encourage someone who says hey if that guy can do it maybe i can do it too and maybe that might be the tilting point because i would rather see more people especially the younger adults and the, and the kids get in the outdoors and do everything to help keep that tradition alive. And if I've got to give some honey holes away, great. 
doesn't mean next year they're going to be in the same spot. I've gone in that same area and there's just not any elk in there and I couldn't find elk for a two mile circle. So, and that was one of my fears coming in is like, are there going to be elk here when they pull up? And we'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. So that was my thing. Well, it's, it's just, how can, how can I help and why be stingy with it? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to hit on this and it's actually kind of, you know, people that listen to this podcast need to understand. And I've explained this before. I don't have a script. I just like to have good conversations. And when stuff like this Mm -hmm. comes up, I feel like this needs to be hit on a little bit more than, uh, uh, than maybe some other things. And, and I just got off the phone today. I spent, I ended up spending almost, I don't know, it was like 30, 45 minutes on the phone with a guy that I barely know. I met him at a total archery challenge down in Texas and, uh, he came out here and busted his ass here in Utah and got in on elk, did his own homework. And he had a, a guy that he came out here with, and then he just hit me up and was like, Hey, what about the extended hunt? What do you know about that? And I spent, like I said, 30 to 45 minutes, uh, on the phone with him. Cause he didn't fill his tag and he wanted to come back out here and wanted to know if it was worth the drive from Texas to do so. He'd been getting mixed signals. And, um, I gave him my experience and told him, you know, again, I feel like it's one thing to go out on social media and drop your Onyx pin on uh, Instagram and be like, all right, guys, here's where the honey hole is. Like, that would be stupid. But when you get a good, solid group of individuals, and it seems like you notice that about us, and and I genuinely, I'm a little skeptical when people share so much information because I'm like, one, either he recognized that we're good people, and that's basically the answer that I got from you was that you're you're a good person and you recognize that we're good people and we're not going to blow your spot out and you want to spend some time with us and get to know us. And, you know, that's that's the way that I feel like things should be treated with whether it be conservation efforts or hunting or fishing or whatever. You don't I'm not saying give away all your honey holes. I'm not saying just blast it out there on social media or email everyone that you know about it. But when someone comes to you asking for help and they have shown that they've done some sort of work, some sort of effort, and they are kind of on their last straw, whatever, and they want some help uh, or they don't have time to e-scout things like or to, to actually go put boots on the ground um, in a different state. I think that the, that the industry as a whole would do better showing a little bit more courtesy. Again, if you have a bead on a bull that you know you've busted your own tail. Like, I'm not saying give that up. But what I'm saying is when you've had experience in a certain area and you can help someone else, then do that. Just be be a good person, you know, just in general. What what would you want for you if you were in that situation and treat those people that way? And I I that was a big key for me is like, all right, well, Joe's not an insane guy. Um, and he genuinely is a good person that wants to just help. And I, and those are the kind of people that I like to bring into my own circle of friends, uh, because again, that's how I was treated with my best friend, Brent. Um, you know, he let me tag along on a hunt. And ever since then, I I honestly probably would have ended back up in North Carolina or somewhere on the East coast if it hadn't been for Brent. And I would not be into Western hunting and I would not be doing what I do today if it wasn't for him letting me tag along on a hunt and fall in love with spotting deer, turkeys, and elk up in these beautiful mountains that we call home. And so um, I just like to pass that forward. And I love that you have that same mindset, uh, you know, of, of just wanting to help other people get into it or, you know, come to your state and, and uh, 
And, and on that note, I want to bring up too, we had the opposite experience when we were up on the mountain where we had these guys that had come in from New York and they were some sort of, they weren't, man, how do I put this without upsetting people? I, they came, they gave off very strong Amish or Mennonite vibes. Uh, <laughs> we'll just put it that way. <laughs> their, their accents and all of that stuff, just, they, they were very down to earth, humble people that had driven from New York, upstate New York, all the way out to Colorado. And, and they had busted their tails for, I think it was, it was like, it was almost as long as we had been out there 10 days or something along those lines. And they, one of them had a muzzleloader tag. Another one had an archery tag. They were looking for deer and elk. So they had spent mm. even more money and more time than we had. We were coming off the mountain, uh, one, one of the days and we, we had seen them on our way up. We said hi to them, just kind of being courteous and, and asking them, you know, what they were hunting for, et cetera. The guy had told us that he had, uh, his brother had shot at and believed that he hit a mule deer. And so the, the guy that we saw at the camp was dropping his stuff off to go help his brother find this, this deer because it was their last day and they wanted to make sure they got it packed out. So anyway, we get back to our truck in the dark and we're talking to these guys, following up with them, just saying, Hey, how did it go? Did you find it? And of course they're like, Oh yeah, we found it. And, and the first thing that the guy does, uh, that had shot the buck, he was like, well, you know, it's not much to speak on, but it'll, it'll, it'll stir the soup, I think is what he said. But it was like, it's, it's like a little basket buck basically. And me and AJ and Jake were the three that were up there. And we were like, that is amazing. Good job. Congratulations. You know, hyping him up, yeah. letting him know like that is awesome. And he kept trying to talk himself down. Well, this guy rolled up and we don't know any history on this guy, but this guy rolled up and I won't go into the details, but basically, uh, ruined the conversation and probably, I hope not, but probably for at least the next couple of days, if not a week or more ruined this guy that came from New York, ruined his, his experience going out to Colorado because the way that this supposed Colorado resident spoke to the guy that came from New York, spent all that time, money, miles, and wear and tear on his body, truck, everything else, uh, tore him down and was telling him how much he sucked for shooting a baby deer. And it just, the two mindsets are so distinctly different from Joe, who's a resident and wants to share these resources with people. And this other guy who's like, where you should only shoot them if they're 80 years old, you know, whatever his idea of a mature buck was. And so that's a big problem with that. I've noticed in the outdoors industry is there seem to be these two camps. And I, I feel like, I feel like we would all be better served if we were in the camp of education, having good conversations and showing people that we want them to come to our states to experience what we get to experience on a regular basis. So um, just want to highlight that there. Joe definitely fits into that camp. And I, I very much appreciated the, the, the legwork. He even, Joe even went out and, and scouted for us again, put boots on the ground for us before we were able to make it out there. So like, <laughs> again, I, I kind of went back to maybe he is a little crazy, but I get his passion of wanting to be in the outdoors 
and share that with us. So again, I really appreciate that. I can't harp on that enough. Um, and thank you so much for that, Joe. It, it was really awesome. You're welcome. Let me expand on what you just said. You know, you get mixed signals from the guy. It seems to be more strong now of this camp is Waddell. Well, Waddy, hunt what you want to hunt to go back to that, that deer. Who knows what that guy, what that, those two guys were going through. I mean, one of them, it may be his last time he's ever going to get a chance to be in the outdoors. Maybe there's a story behind there. And I get, you know, you see these things on, and, and further, you get these things on, well, it's not much to speak of. And, you know, it's not a trophy. Well, man, I tell you what, if I had the little six-point buck I got to shoot with my grandfather, and he's no longer here, that that little it probably wasn't even a 120 inch little white tail from arkansas but man i would love to have had that thing that is a trophy for me who cares it maybe it's your first your kid's first deer your kid's first turkey it's going to got a three inch beard as a jake who cares if it's legal who cares it's hard enough on public land and we and the other thing is those two camps need to come together because if we don't come together the non-hunting non yeah, the non-hunting outdoor space is going to collapse. We're being picked off by every little thing by the non-hunters, and they're just we. If we don't band together, I I sometimes wonder what is this going to look like in twenty years. And if we've got to do a better job, if it's legal, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So. No, I, I agree with you on that a hundred percent. And that's, uh, you know, I've been, I just had a meeting with Hal, um, where we've talked about that too, how we need to get people more involved because it's, it's not the anti hunters that you're going to really convince it's the non hunting public or even the new hunters, which it's funny to me when I have people, they're like, yeah, I've had a couple of people reach out to me like, Oh man, these stupid adult onset hunter, blah, blah, blah. And I listen to them and you know, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, that's me. So, and you follow my stuff and you like my stuff, uh, you know, the, the whole idea, I think what they're trying to get at is people that are chasing clout by mm -hmm. having a kill shot and stuff like that. Um, I don't agree with that either. You know, it's just like the women that dress in the skin tight camo and hold up a bloody heart for Valentine's day. That's not real hunting. It's, it's the people that you get to sit around the fire with at the end of the night. Um, solo hunting's fun as well. And I, you know, I've had a lot of come to Jesus moments when I'm up there on the mountain by myself. Uh, but also the, the people that you get to spend time with and suffer with, uh, up on the mountain is that's what hunting's really, really about for me. And then the conservation aspect of it too. Like if it's legal, you know, if, if you're, if you're so good that you're killing every single year, then maybe we talk about, okay, upping your and i know me personally like once i've killed a certain type of deer for example i killed a spike i'm like okay i'm not shooting a spike deer anymore that's just me personally i've set my own standards to where i raise those standards a little bit more every single time um but i i agree with you you know where you don't know what those people's situations are you don't know what those new yorkers uh were dealing with if this was their one and only time to come out to colorado um you know etc so uh all of that being said we need to come together and it's the non-hunting public and even those, again, the newbie hunters that, uh, we need to, we need to keep around and teach them proper, the proper way, um, you know, ethical shots, practicing, 
uh, not pulling your bow out the day before season and screwing on a broadhead and thinking that everything's good to go. Um, you know, explaining that it's more of a lifestyle, uh, why you enjoy it, finding your passion for it, things like that. And then for the non-hunter explaining and maybe even having them come over and have some of the meat. Um, you know, anytime I, I have some, especially the best cuts, I, I wouldn't say try and give them, you know, a neck roast or something like that per se, but if you got tenderloin or backstrap laying around after the, after the kill, um, invite them over, make sure you know how to cook first, I guess too, but you know, <laughs> but, uh, bring them over and let them try it. Show them, you know, this is why you do it. It's lean. It's checks all the boxes, organic grass fed, cage free, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, and, and explain the story behind it. You know, all of those things can, can definitely help, um, help us as, as hunters, as things progress. And hopefully we don't get to the European model where it's pay to play, um, everywhere. Uh, you know, we, we want to keep our public lands public and those resources public as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to, hold on, let me get off my soapbox. All right. Got off the soapbox. Now we're back to our conversation here about the elk hunt. And, um, so we started out, uh, the first day I get there, um, Wednesday night, I got there before the rest of the crew was able to get out. And, uh, I started in one area, I think it was Thursday, Thursday morning, or maybe it was Wednesday. Well, one of the days in, anyway, no one else was there. Joe was coming up that afternoon. I started out one area, made a loop, um, saw some older sign, uh, got soaking wet because, you know, if anyone's gone through brush, that's wet. Um, it's not it's not the best. And I didn't necessarily want to wear rain pants because then you just got hot and sweaty and it, you get wet anyway. So, um, got back to the truck and met Joe at, uh, on one of the trails and we're sitting there in the truck, kind of getting to know each other. Um, yes, I met a, a strange man in a truck, uh, with no cell service. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of, uh, trust in Joe. <laughs> There's a lot of weird scenarios that came out of that week. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I say all these things this way because my wife jokes with me. She's like, you just go up there to hang out with the boys. Are you sure you don't want to come out to me? Like, <laughs> but uh, we, we, we met up and we're kind of glassing this hillside that we're looking at. And um, I think it was you that first said that you spotted some elk. And then we kind of, I get the spotting scope out and we're looking at it. And um, do you remember the first bull that we saw? When we were up there. I think you nicknamed him Hellboy. Yeah. It had this funky, uh, Ford leaning, weird uh, set of antlers on him. It was just yeah. really weird. And yeah, and then like a, uh, a half dozen cows or so. Mm-hmm. And then there was a yeah. there was another bull that was up higher. And I think I'm the only person that saw him. It was in this weird round brush, something or another. And he kept kind of coming in and out, in and out. And then everybody was fixated on that bull that was in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I went back, I was watching a video today and uh, he had almost 10 cows with him. Just like, at first I thought they were rocks, but you go back and you can look at it. You can see they're all cows just bedded right below him. And, um, yeah, he was funky. If, if you out there listening, haven't seen Hellboy, it used to be one of my favorite. I, I really like anti-hero movies and he was Hellboy's a anti-hero. He kind of has his own morals and does things his own way. And anyway, he has these horns that, that come out forward and then curve backwards when he lets them uh, grow out and they're not shaved. And that was the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this bull, because he had four, it was weird. He has like four of them that were coming out forward and then scooping backwards, super dark mane. Mm, go ahead. 
No, it just it, it kind of reminds me thinking about it almost like it swept back almost like a pronghorn. Like yeah. there was a pronghorn somewhere in the in the lumber pile years back. There was some kind of weird <laughs> genetics that were going on now that I think about it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really then, weird bull. So we watched him for a while and uh and then the the boys roll up in the truck and uh a lot of these guys had never seen an elk in person off of YouTube. Um and and so the fact that they were able to hop out of the truck and the first thing they were able to hop on the spotting scope and see a bull with some cows, um, that, that kind of set the tone for, for that week. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Nobody had a chance. Everybody's in Crocs and, <laughs> and comfortable driving clothes. And we're just standing in the road like, oh, there's elk. And it's like this. <laughs> you are next of who gets to use the spotting scope. And then I'm passing mm-hmm. some 15, 15 power binos around. And, and it's like, okay, everybody's drawing straws and there's some kind of measuring contest of who's going to go after that bull and, and Rochambeau or something was going on. I wasn't really read <laughs> on to all the force first form formalities of, 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 of pecking order. So I, I, I didn't have a tag. I just said, what do you guys want to go do? So mm-hmm. Yeah, then yeah. you guys we went and made camp and made a plan, and you guys started yeah. getting after them. Split, yeah, I think and, we split into two groups. Yep. Yeah, and so we made we went and made camp, kind of caught up, and we had and there was a lot of us, especially the guys out east. I hadn't got to see very, uh, I don't get to see very often, and so um, you know we got to hang out for a little bit, and then um, went after those bulls, and we realized it, to our dismay that they were on private, which I didn't realize that was a big chunk of private right there. So. We figured that out and basically we spent the next couple of days. Um, they, they, these bulls or the, these elk were like clockwork. I mean, from seven to seven 30, they were on that face and then they would work into one of the drainages on the private and, uh, and they were hanging out there. There was a couple of them. And, um, and then, so we're just gonna, I mean, we had quite a few experiences. Um, you got to run some of the boys into the dirt, uh, which is awesome. And a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is going to come out in the first form outdoors video. So I don't want to touch too much on it, but, oh man, it, they, they had a lot of fun. And we'll just say that AJ and Dale, uh, um, they got run their butts off the first couple of days. Yeah. They, well, and I think they got paid back in spades. <laughs> Once the Clydesdale real looked at it's like, all right, you want to run my boys into the dirt? Let's, uh, yeah. let's turn it up and see what you can, what you, what you're made of here. So oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, I definitely got checked, put back in check real quick when, <laughs> it, it, later on. Yeah, exactly. After you guys wore the old man down, uh, you definitely, yeah, I, I got I got handed that back in spades for sure. <laughs> so we, we went back to camp. Every night we'd have a great camp. Uh, Joe was great at building the fires and, you know, making sure we were, he'd, he'd cook us up our nice Dallas fillets when we get back to camp and, you know, <laughs> give us foot rubs <laughs> and <okay. laughs> You're going to get too many people there. I'm going to have to start a, a service here. We're going to have a Joe's line out the door. Who wants to hunt with me? So, yeah, Joe's guide <laughs> service. <laughs> I think one of the guys is like, your guide service sucks. It's like, well, but are you on elk? I, you know, I, you're either on elk or you're not. And, you know, what do you say? Not, it's not a ranch. You're paying for it, right? That's what <laughs> exactly. It's worth every penny you just paid for. So. Oh, man. There was a video later, too, uh, where I, I was showing my wife, and she was laughing so hard when you pull up um in the atv later on and you're like joe's taxi service like <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
So we, uh, we end up, you know, we spent a couple of days there and then we moved areas and, uh, that's when things kind of got real. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, and, and I found a lot of chinks in my armor as far as, uh, you know, where I need to be physically for, uh, especially next September. But, um, basically I've always said, I'm not the fastest hiker, never will be. I'll pack out as much weight as you want. I'll, I'll be your pack mule, but I don't move very fast. Um, I'm, constantly worried about either rolling my ankle or whatever it may be and screwing things up and also busting out animals. You know, maybe when you're on a, a, a main trail, not so much. Um, but I don't see the need to rush unless again, you have a beat on a bull, you know where he's going and you need to get there and beat him to it. That's really the only reason me personally, my hunting style, why I would see you need to rush. Um, Jake had a different plan for us. And so we'll just say that, uh, we, we pull up the, the original plan was we were going to camp at the trailer, um, meet his dad the next morning and head up with the mules. And, uh, all of a sudden we're like, all right, pack up for three days. We're heading in like, awesome. <laughs> so okay. This was after a couple of days. And if anyone's ever camped out of a truck, you understand, um, uh, how disorganized things get like it's all nice and organized until the first day that you've actually used the stuff and then it's just shot the shit basically and so you know sitting there organizing stuff running through my head what do i need what blah 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 we end up going in for a couple days and um let's just say that uh for any of you out there wondering about e-scouting um lines touching is bad contour lines together is bad <laughs> don't, don't go that way uh we we had some very steep encounters um with uh jake and his 600 pound life trekking poles uh and uh it was <laughs> they it was just it, it was an awesome suffer fest we'll, we'll go with that um and jake has since recognized that he was doing that on purpose uh he did say that yeah he he said yeah, he uh Yes, he he did say that he um, he will admit that he was seeing how far he could push us before we broke. And I will say without giving too many spoilers and successes and failures throughout it, no one broke. Um, no, I, I cursed Jake quite a few times uh, and we're still friends. So that's a good sign. Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was a very awesome experience. We we had a great time in the wilderness area that we were in. It's gorgeous country. Um, Joe and I got to take our boots off and and uh, cross the river a couple times. Um, you know that was that was a fun experience. And uh, it's like a scene out of Alaska. This show is brought to you by PSE Archery, guys. I'm telling you, these bows are outstanding. Go check them out at your local dealer. PSE archery we've also got first form and first form outdoors guys amazing supplementation but more than that the education behind it so that you can achieve your goals definitely check out first form outdoors link down below to get free shipping over 75 dollars montana knife company knives that are made by hunters for hunters guys they're workhorses i'm telling you montana knife company knives definitely go check them out black ovis Use code REDBEARD10. You guys will save some money on already amazing prices over there at Black Ovis. They have some outstanding gear, whether it's their brand or some of the brands that they carry. Definitely go check them out. Go grab your new pair of Krispies over there as well. 
initial ascent best backpacks on the market all in digiscoping guys there's a bino adapter now as well as the spotting adapter highly recommend it quick acquisition simple and it's high quality definitely go check them out a3 archery bowstrings cryptech kestrel glassing systems dark energy go ruck guys if you want to up your game with your training definitely go check out go ruck use code redbeard10 over there save some money Sheep Feet Custom Orthotics, MyMedic, Canvas Cutter, Affect Beard Oil, Joy Bees, The Bow Hitch, Alpen Fuel, Heather's Choice, and The Crazy Elk Company. Guys, all of those companies that I partnered up with, I use the gear and I want you to be able to get the best prices possible. Check out any links down below and any codes that will save you some money are always in the show notes. So go check them out, guys. Support the channel. Support the partners. Thank you so much for your support. And now let's get back to the conversation. Right. Right. Exactly. There's exactly. bear tracks right. everywhere. What should we do? We should take our boots yeah. off and we should we should <laughs> ford this river like pioneers. But like, before that, we tried to build we tried to build a couple bridges before that. Yeah. It just wasn't working out. No, that water was running so fast. We just you throw rocks in there, they was you could hear them roll down the down the river. Like, <laughs> well, that ain't gonna work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we definitely got so, our ice plunges in. That too. Yes, for yeah. sure. And uh, it was funny. I get home and my, you know, I was telling my wife, I was like, I haven't really showered in like you know eleven days, so I should probably do that. It'll probably take two or three showers and maybe even a bath to get all this grime off of me. I said, but my feet. I did wash my feet a couple times. Like <laughs> no, the river washed your feet for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then, yeah. you know, the first form guys, they, they ended up leaving. Actually get, give me a brief overview. Maybe not again, not going into detail, but your thoughts on the time that we spent with the whole crew together um, for that week that we were all together. I, I, I told Jake this and I'll try to, paraphrase what I told him. It, it's like I found my tribe again with my background of being around a bunch of, of just somewhat knuckle dragging, just predators, apex predators. When I was in the military, uh, spent most of my time out of the conventional military and being, it, I, it was like I was with my tribe again, just everyone trying to give too much away for the film. Everyone was happy for whoever success there may have been. No one was, Oh, I wish I had this shot. There was and it kind of go back to something. There was two of us that had tags in our pockets for not that unit that said, okay, we're going to spend, we're going to allocate 10 days. Mm -hmm. I'm a carry up tag in my pocket that I can't hunt. And the other person, I know myself, the other person never said, God, I can't wait to get back and hunt my own tag. It mm -hmm. was when I get back, when this is over, I'm going to have my shot at it. And so that shows that selflessness about the whole, the whole team. It, everybody was, was, was wanted to help each other. I remember times guys coming in, Hey, what do you need? You know, different teams coming in. And it was one team got back early. And it was, see the other team come dragging in. And if that the, not you, but the other redheaded beard was with them, you know that they had gone through hell and back that day. Like they've been through selection out at Camp McCall. <laughs> and 
you're like, hey, man, what do you need? Or, hey, I'm going to go ahead and start a, you know, we already started the fire. Uh, you know what, while you're, while you're getting your pack ready for tomorrow, uh, I've already got my jet boil out. And let me, let me boil, how many cups of water do you need? There was a whole selfless thing, selflessness about the, about the team. There was a lot of, there was a lot of bantering that we had. Just guy locker room bantering, messing with each other. But at the end of the day, everyone had each other's back, and there was also a, a, a level of respect for one another. There was, uh, you know, what about this? You know, this person's kind of in the hurt locker. We should probably let's put them somewhere. Let's let's let them go on a different hunt to, tomorrow, or let them, you know, let's get them to bed early. Uh, I've got some extra food. We need to put calories back into them. And it's just, it was just a great team of everyone looking out for each other. And again, you don't see that in the industry unless there's a paycheck. And you also, or there's a camera and we're going to, which is going to be for a paycheck, whether that yeah. be sponsorship or for something being put on network. It was just no one talked about anyone else behind their back. It was just, it was just, it was professionals. It was selflessness. Mm -hmm. It was professionals who were selflessness, selfless for one another and had each other's backs. And yeah, it was just, it was just amazing. It, and it exemplified those values of first form and, you know, everyone in the Legionnaire program and everyone was free to talk about whatever. Cause I was kind of the, the odd man out and, it was, it was, let's just get them at, get after them tomorrow the best we can. And it was just, the team was just amazing. And you talk yep. about those 600 pound trekking poles. I got them poked at me a couple of times <laughs> while I was testing at Jake running down a hill. I was like, you know what? I'm going to like the scene out of tombstone that we're coming off that one mountain. And I just said, you know what? Let's, I'm going to run it out of him. I'm going to get mm -hmm. on his heels and I'm just going to dog you. But AJ's like, you're crazy. I said, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we, it, it was a, it was a race down. And then, and then he's like, okay, that's good. You brought the, you brought the, you brought the heat. That's, that's awesome. You push yourself. And then, then he goes and runs and sprints ahead of me. Like we weren't done yet. And I was like, ah, but yeah, everyone pushing each other. Yeah. It was just, it was just like my old, you know, like being on a team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I will say to the banter, you know, it's, it's one thing that like there was no encouragement to break anyone's standards. Um, it wasn't that kind of banter where it's like, you know, uh, there was, um, I think a couple drinks passed around and no one like, this is something that for me too, I'm able to gauge. And it, as I've gotten older, um, it's become even easier, but you know, especially in high school and college, uh, and then living in Mexico, like having to explain to people that I don't drink and I never have, um, there's been, I, I can see different groups of people vividly in my mind, people that tried to get me to do it, found, tried to, and people that I couldn't trust them handing me a drink of even water because I think they might spike it just for fun. Um, and then there's other groups where it's like, you know, it's not encouraged to break your standards. It's not funny. That's not the kind of pranks that we pull, um, that, you know, that's not something that we do. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was yes, locker room style guy banter, but at the same time, it wasn't like, 
hey, come on, you can do this or that, and it really won't hurt you. And this, you know, that kind of banter was definitely not there either. Um, it was very much, like you said, very selfless and and 100% um, demonstrated the the values of first form um, as we were up there. So I, I appreciated that, you know, as well. And the fact that it wasn't, the majority of it wasn't even on camera. Uh, and, oh. and so, you know, just the fact that whether the camera was on or not, um, it didn't matter. It was the same, you know, and the camera was just there to capture what we were already doing. Uh, so that was, that was really cool to see as well. Um, it goes back to the respect thing where, mm. and I think part of it, you know, with the whole drinking thing, when there was a, you know, the time, the time or two, there was something, some libation that was passed around <laughs> and, and you said, no, no one batted an eye because I think mm. part of that is because everyone on there has done 75 hard if not the live heart program. And so we know that, Oh, okay. Well, all right, cool. We've all had, to, we've all been in those situations where while we're on 75 hard or one of the phases going to the live heart program where we've had to go, I can't right now. I, mm-hmm. I'd love to, but it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And then had to walk away. We, but we've also had to, we've also, I'm sure been in those certain circumstances during the program where, come on, man, you know, do it tomorrow or whatever. And it's like, nah, bro, mm-hmm. that's, that's a failure. Mm-hmm. And so I think people just, it, it goes back to respect and professionalism. Yep, exactly. hundred percent. So we get back, um, we get back to camp, <clears throat> spend some time together. We shot some content, uh, got Joe's outro that took like 40 minutes. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, we, you know, we said our goodbyes and I ended up going, so Joe ends up, he's lives about an hour and a half away from where we were at. And, um, and I still had a day and a half that I, a full day and a half that I could hunt. And so I said, well, I'm going to go back to where I know there's elk, um, and not such a treacherous area to be in, um, by myself. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I went back to this other area and, uh, and I'd picked a spot where, um, Joe and I had talked about that you could glass this basin. There's a lot of fresh shine that him and AJ and Dale had seen when they'd gone up there a couple times. And uh, and this was kind of the end of the week, so hunters may or may not be moving in, but it was going to drop in temperature, so that was going to be perfect, uh, what I would call killing weather. And um, and I pull up at, at the trailhead, and there was a big old camp uh, right there uh, with a canvas tent, a bunch of cars, stuff like that. And I said, well... Uh, that plan is shot. So I'm going to figure out what else I'm going to do. And, um, and that Saturday, or I guess that Friday night, it got down to like 25 degrees and I was camped right there, uh, on the cot. And, um, I get up in the morning, heard some bugles and it was too early for it to be people. Um, cause the people that were there were definitely not early risers. They were more of the midday afternoon hunters. Um, and so, you know, heard some bugles. I was half expecting an elk to walk out in the meadow right there in front of me uh, with how low down these bugles kind of sounded, but I never ended up laying, laying eyes on them. Uh, the elk that were on private were still there, just like clockwork. Um, and then I chose to glass the furthest mountain and the tallest mountain in that area <laughs> and uh, saw the tail end of what ended up being a bull. Um, because I could see some tines above the tree line 
And I said, well, I just kind of looked down and I was like, well, not I'm not even going to draw a line to figure out how long this is going to be. Um, because there's an elk there. It's my last day. I'm going for it. And, uh, didn't really text anyone, got some good videos, uh, made sure I had some good calories in me and, uh, just started walking down, down to, to the bottom of this, this mountain. And I don't know how much of it was prevailing winds versus thermals, but the wind was just blustering uphill, um, the entire day, pretty much. Uh, even when it was supposed to shift, it didn't, it just kept blowing uphill. And so, um, anyway, I get in and, uh, I get in on the elk, um, found them, but a little too close, bumped them. All of this story, you know, I, I go through in my, my podcast, so you can go back and listen to that. Um, but I make the shot and as I'm watching this bull, uh, die, uh, I text Joe and I was like, Hey, I don't even remember what I texted you. Something like I just shot can him. You, can you help then, me with the pack out? Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> can you help me with the pack out? And I, I replied, are you serious? <laughs> and there's a delay on this because it's a Garmin satellite. So like I send him the text and I'm still sitting there watching the bull. And then I get a, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm watching him. Like I'm watching him die right here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I think Joe's next answer was, um, I'm leaving in 10 minutes. And I was just like, wow. Like, again, that just goes back to, you know, how much I appreciate. Cause by the time I mapped it out, I figured it would have almost been 20, a 20 mile day for me to get that bull out from where he was. It was about five miles one way. It was a little over four. It was like four and a half, five miles one way. And I would have done it a quarter at a time because our pack out was, um, it was it, brutal. <laughs> it was heavy. It was heavy. Uh, it was short and, and heavy. So, uh, but yeah, so that saved me because Joe came with the ATV and, uh, and even you even gave up, like you were going to go on a date or something and you were like, Oh, I got priorities. Like <laughs> I, I had some plans. I yeah. had some plans and, uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I was actually, and, and I was packing for my own hunt because mm -hmm. it's like, well, I got five days, I got five days and then I get a message from you. I was like, well, that'll wait. Let's go pack out. <laughs> and actually I told the lady at the gas station down here, she's like, what well, are you in a hurry? You're always in, you're in a hurry. You're never in a hurry. I said, my buddy just, just smoked a bowl with, with his bow and he needs help packing it out. She's like, oh, okay. I think that night, the night before we packed out, we went to Chili's of all places and mm -hmm. ended up telling the waitress, he, he just smoked a bull. That's, and she's like, oh, I remember I killed a bull with a rifle. I was like, no, yeah. with a bow and arrow, he smoked it. And she's like, oh, okay. I thought there was going to be like a huge announcement or something because she was all excited. <laughs> but, yeah, Because so, I, I showed up without a sleeping bag because I thought we were going to mm -hmm. pack out all night. I thought we were going to get there, drive out, pow, come come. uh hike in and start quartering that thing up in the middle of the night. And you're like, Oh, let's just get some rest and we'll do it in the morning. I was like, well, I, I don't, I, I don't have a sleeping bag. I don't have a sleep mat. I don't have a pillow. I, I don't have anything. And I'm not running my truck all night. Stay warm. What's mm -hmm. going on? And you're like, I got, I got a 20 degree bag. And, and we kind of made a little, make sure we made, put the teepee up and I got the furnace going, the stove in there going. And then it got a little cold later on at night, but, um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that was, it was awesome. So Joe shows up, uh, he's wondering, um, why I'm not more excited. And, uh, we're going down to Chili's, you know, I give my wife a call when I get back into cell range, we're talking and, and you still like, there's a couple of times where you're like, you're like, why are you not, why are you not more excited? What were you thinking? You know, in those moments when, when you had me down, you know, at Chili's and on the drive back, you're just kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was like I thought at this point I was like, this has got to be a joke, because you're just like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I was like, bro, you don't have adrenal fatigue. You need to go ahead and get excited. Like, you should be beating on the dash and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, but you're just like, all right. I, I was like, huh, huh. If this dude brought me out here for nothing, we're gonna have some problems. I just wanted chilies. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm going to take his one P drinks with me. All, all of them. I'm going to take them home with me. He's going to have any of them to go back home with. Yeah. So we, we get up and then, uh, you know, we get the ATV going and, and we get out to, it was about a thousand yards from where the elk ended up being. And, um, and that ATV was a, that was a lifesaver. Uh, we get up there and right as we're about to go, you know, I had an arrow knock just in case. Um, and, you know, just, kind of for context uh i had hit the bull a little bit back on purpose because the bull was bedded um and i didn't want to go through the rib cage and all the other bone that was there so i hit it just behind the rib cage clipped some lung that destroyed the liver and went out a little bit of the guts and um and i left him overnight uh because again it got down to like 30 degrees or something that night and he was in he was right where we left him but before we get up there you're like Oh, good. I don't hear any bones crunching, so I don't think there's a bear on them yet. <laughs> it's like, you keep, it's like you keep talking about these non-existent bears. You know, I've seen more elk well, we than bear, sh- but <laughs> There are a lot of bears in that area. I don't know where they were, but usually, I usually run into bears in that area all over the place. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we get up to them, and, um, and that's when, you know, the it really hit me, uh, you know, that it happened. And, I, you know, I, I told you the night before, I'm like, I'm... I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I know, but I didn't put my hands on him. He's not hundred percent dead when I left him. And so for me, it was like, I don't know. I just, all the bad scenarios were going through my head. You know, something was going to happen. He was going to run whatever. Um, but he was right, right where we left him. And then that's when, uh, you know, I, you know, we, we checked the arrow out. The arrow was like almost halfway buried in the dirt. Um, and then, uh, we found him was maybe 30 yards from where, where I'd shot him. It wasn't that far. And it looked like he had stood up overnight to rebed one more time and just toppled over. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't bedded. He had, he had fallen over. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, I mean, when it finally, when you finally saw that, that look, you realize it wasn't a joke anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, okay. All right. Like, well, that's it's time to get to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think you, I think he walked away with a very invaluable lesson that they never die in a good position because mm-hmm. he was oh, yeah. spine downhill, hooves up in the air, kind of up in the air a little bit. And it was just like, oh, man, this is going to be a pain to get this joker out of here because <laughs> one bad one bad pull of a quarter or something while we're cutting that whole thing's going to slide down this down that hill. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh. we need like some come along. Why can't these things die next to the trailhead? Or it never happens like this on TV. Oh yeah. No, never. never. That's not. Yeah. So that, that's when the, uh, 
that's when the work started. And then we, we get everything and <laughs> Joe's like, all right, we'll do We'll take a load down. I'll run it down to camp. And then you come back and get another load and we'll, we'll do this. And, and then I, I just looked and I was like, nah, man, we're doing this one trip. <laughs> I had this look of, uh, Hey man, this ain't a whitetail or a mule deer. I don't know if you, what you're thinking. I don't think we knew what we were thinking. But once we were committed, we were just, you know, we were committed going down a hill mm-hmm. over deadfall. Let's get this thing down the ATV. And <laughs> man, I think I sent you the video I made. And then, yeah, there was a there was a lot of there's a lot of headspace com- uh, conversations going on. I, I know in my head, I was like, man, let me just drop a quarter here and, and come back for two of these. Come back for it. Once we, once you sent me the weights and I did that equation I talked about, I was like, you know, I was just a chiropractor yesterday. He's like, what the hell happened to your, <laughs> you have so much compression. Why do you have so much compression in your back? Like, this is not normal. I was like, well, let me tell you what happened, doc. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> You, you, how much? How much on your back? (laughs) How much? Well, I said just just two quarters alone was this, and he's like, "Okay, how about we don't ever do this again?" I like. I think I learned that lesson too. I learned a lot of lessons on that on that trip. Doctor's orders. Oh man, yeah. I uh, so we we calculated it, and just the two quarters alone was over 150 pounds. And then, you know, you you carried my bow because I literally had no more room on my pack. And I needed both trekking poles to be able to get out of there. Um, and so you had the bow and then you had some loose meat and, uh, and I had the head and, um, some of the other loose meat. And so it was, it was pushing probably 160, 170 pound packs easy. Um, but we did it. <laughs> but yeah, I went. <laughs> We're alive. I, <laughs> I was like, man, matter they, how these much- guys did Go ahead. These guys didn't kill me down in the, that southern location. And here he is. He's going to try to kill me just packing out his bowl. And then there was almost an ATV getting flipped because of the hill. And then the weight mm-hmm. shifted. And, and you had to, like, do this circus Olay thing going on. And I was like, we got if this thing goes, it's, it's going. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll winch it out later. But, yeah, we were like, you're hanging on way over here trying to counterbalance. And it's like, oh, man. How, how, uh, how do fun. we, how does this happen? Yeah. And then, and then coming, going through some of the creeks we had to, I had to cross and I've got antlers banging my head and I think I still got a, a knot back here still, uh, from the antlers poking me in the head or hitting me in the head. And then I almost flipped that thing two or three times going through creeks, it was steep creeks with rocks in them. And you had to do this weird rock crawling thing, but you had to do it with enough speed. And then make a turn real quick, and I was just like, "Oh man, it's, if if I ever make it out of here, so, Joe's taxi service, uh, ten out Joe's of ten, taxi I would recommend." Service. And I came back, and got you. <laughs> Didn't he make you walk he out? He did. Yep. <laughs> and then we, we, we no. enjoyed a little one p one p drink, and then mm-hmm. packed up everything. And I was like, "Hey man, I gotta get going. I gotta get yeah. out of here because I gotta go. I gotta go home, refit, and then be out in the mountains for myself." That I think it was out that night. Yep. back out there. So, yeah. so I just, uh, again, I just wanted to, to highlight, you know, just the, the fact that, um, really I, you know, I, I appreciate all your help. Uh, it honestly would have been, I would have made it happen, but it would not have been a fun day. Um, 
you know, it would have been a lot of trips and a lot of miles, uh, and a lot of, a lot of hurt locker, a lot more than just a thousand yards down to the ATV. Um, but you know, it all went really well. And of course, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying the tenderloin. Cause I, dude, I seriously, I only got like that much of it because my kids were, they were sitting there and like, I cooked it, you know, medium rare, put a little bit of a dry rub on it, cooked it medium rare, let it sit. And then I chopped it up really thin slices and, uh, and, um, or sliced it up really thin and then gave it to them with some rice and some veggies. And my son probably ate half of that tenderloin by himself and he's eight. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, I'm, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, that was just such an awesome experience. And, um, you know, I'm going to get a, a wall hanger for this guy, um, which this is, I think I pointed that out, but that's the Euro and, uh, naming that guy resilient because, um, he took a long time. He did not want to give up the ghost. Uh, and that was probably one of the hardest things for me to watch. Um, I know I'd made a good shot. I know he was, he was going to die, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up wanting to be a veterinarian at one point, um, until I realized that if people came in with like beat up dogs or whatever, I probably would not be able to restrain myself. And I'd end up in the, in jail, um, because I just don't tolerate, you know, mistreatment of animals. Uh, and so, you know, sitting there watching, watching him die for, it was almost, it was a little over two hours before I decided to back out. Um, cause I didn't want to bump him. And, uh, and again, for those out there listening, the way it was set up, if I had tried to get down to him to get a closer shot, cause at the time it was a hundred and it was 110, 120 yard downhill shot. So line of sight was more like 140 yards, um, to where he was that I was watching him in his bed. And, um, if I had tried to get down to him, he w- more than likely would have spooked. Uh, and I didn't want the, the adrenaline and all the other chemicals going through the, the, the meat, um, and, and messing that up along with, uh, having to do another track job. And so, uh, my choice was to back out, but that was, it was hard. Um, it was hard to watch and, and to know that even though I'd made a good shot, he was still suffering. Um, that was, that was definitely hard for me to, to, to watch. So, um, and then of course on the way out, I bumped two more bulls, you know, (laughs) course that's how it works you know you shoot one and then they all pop out of the woodwork but uh um yeah that was uh it it was an amazing experience the 11 days in colorado um and honestly this that hunt that specific hunt in that unit uh would not have happened without joe i mean that's just we were looking at two other completely different units and, uh, and when Jake sent me the, the unit that Joe was talking about, I looked at it and I was like, that's not even close to where we were, where we were looking. Um, it, it's really not. And so, uh, I, again, I really very much appreciate it. And, um, I just wanted to bring you on to kind of tell your side of the, your side of the story. And, uh, and then again, I know we're going to get your 40 minute outro in the first form outdoors video. So they might have to split it. They might have to split it into two videos just for that. But <laughs> yeah, that was just Nick and I talking in there. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. so, uh, no, it's been, a, it's been, it was a great experience. It was, like I said, it was fi- like finding my tribe again after being sort of in the wilderness without a tribe out here. You know, I'm not near a military base. 
there aren't a lot of just get after it people in this in the civilian space, especially away from those military bases and just watching everybody just roll their sleeves up, get after it, teamwork, respect for each other's boundaries, respect for each other's beliefs and that kind of thing. There were some conversations about that and it I was respectful. Uh, not without some little bit of ribbing and bound and bantering, but uh, you know, it was, it was, it's a great experience. And it's one that I'm, I'm still living the high off of and, you know, like, okay. And I definitely had some takeaways as being the old guy in camp is, you know, I, I learned a couple of things. So if you're, you're a little older, I'm almost 50, which is hard for me to say. And, you know, it, I'll say that for people who are a little older and listening, Nutrition, mobility, and recovery while you're on the mountain. If you're going to do this backcountry stuff and you're going to have a 20-year-old talking trash to you the whole time, eating ho-hos, <laughs> then, then you know, you're definitely going to have to up your nutrition. I, I mean, I still think like that one night I came into camp, we set up camp, I was at 4,900 calories. And I don't know how the tent got set up. And I, I really don't remember much. I just remember – Screw this! I, I'm just, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get stopped anyway. So I just passed people and and it was like, hey, no, 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 we're gonna set up camp here. I was like, oh no, no, we're not gonna stop. You're not gonna pull that that game on me. So, but nutrition, you know, I, I'm trying to keep up with a 20 year old and some 30, you know, a bunch of 30 year olds. So definitely had I had to put more fuel in the tank because at my age, I'm burning a lot more calories trying to keep up. I definitely need to spend more time doing mobility in camp or throughout the hunt, not just lay down, take a nap. Let's do some mobility, start working some of those kinks out that once again, 20 year olds don't have to worry about not yet. And then, and then just some, just recovery. Hey, I've got to get a little more sleep. I've got to do some things. Maybe another pound of a piece of equipment would be a lot better and give myself some deeper sleep than sleeping on some half pound air mattress that didn't hold even hold any air. So, <laughs> yeah yeah we dealt with uh holy mattresses and, and a bunch of other stuff going on up there that's for sure and i'm really well, glad you set up the tent that night because uh you would have you would have been waking up in a downpour that was a bad night oh yeah because i think i said let's just bivouac this is the sleeping bags down <laughs> no no nope. it was it, it was a the uh it, yeah the yeah, it was it was bad. You know, I thought lightning was going to hit us. We were just like, it's like, oh my god, this is horrible. Let me let me a tornado here. That's all mm -hmm. we need now. It's all tornadoes. We had hail in the area. Yep. Like, man, what, what else? Hail, we got? lightning, some, rain, windstorm. Maybe some witch on a broom there. or something. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. all we needed. So right on. Well, awesome. no, I appreciate well, Jonathan. I, it was it was an honor. It was an honor truly to be with you guys. And then it's, it. it further to be to be asked to come on the podcast here and talk about it and then yeah and if to go back to what you're saying earlier about you know just giving things away if someone comes to you and it makes the concerted effort to come to you and say hey listen this is what i've done this is what i like to do then they've done their homework they've they've, mm -hmm. they've pushed themselves they've already sought some kind of guidance and some kind of direction they're just maybe at a stumbling point or what do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? So if someone's done their homework, they don't, they're not just coming to you with a problem, but they have a somewhat of an answer or show what they've tried to do to solve the problem. 
Why not give it? Why not help them help somebody out? Exactly. Again, exactly. Again, it could have been one of those guys on the hunt. Could have been that's their last hunt they're going to get to do, or uh, they're doing that on a memory of, of someone who couldn't be there, or for you know, in a catastrophic situation. So then let's just help each other out out here. I agree, hundred percent. If you can be right or kind, be kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it, it's uh, it's it's definitely it can make or break people's experiences. It can make or break their, their future. And again, you don't know what those people have, have gone through, what they sacrificed, how long they've been saving up to go out to Colorado or wherever it is that they are. Um, you know, you may not necessarily agree with it, but in all reality, what is that conversation going to do? Um, in that moment, I guess I, I agree I agree that there is a certain degree of you need to be focusing on shooting more mature deer or elk. But at the same time, in the moment when the guy's already, he's already, you know, got all the meat, he's already harvested the animal. How is you saying that at that moment going to help anything? It's not, it's not going to change anything. You can't go piece it back together like Legos and say, all right, Bambi, go run off. You know, like that's not, that's not how that works. And so, you know, again, like you said, if if you've got the opportunity to be right or kind, be kind, um, and then have that conversation later. Hey, next time, you know, if you want to come out to Colorado, here's how I hunt. Again, being up front with people, here's how I hunt. I only shoot, <laughs> I only shoot uh, three thirty or above. <laughs> I only call in three thirty bulls. You know, <laughs> that's that certain uh, beagle tube that does that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those North Idaho things. Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that, that needs to be, and I'm, I'm personally going to be using my platform a lot more to help, uh, get the message of how out there, uh, here in the, in the near future, because I feel like conservation and education, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things that need to be said that aren't being said. Um, and, and those kind of understood conversations, I don't feel like they're understood. I feel like some people maybe that have been hunting for a while feel like things should be understood a certain way. Um, and, and there's just conversations that need to be had. So, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot more of that coming from, from my end, because I want to make sure that we're keeping this preserved for my kids. If they're choosing to want to do that, or, uh, you know, future grandchildren, uh, or anyone else out there that wants to take advantage of the opportunity to hunt public land. Um, I want that to be around for a very long time. So with that being said, Joe, is there anything else you want to leave with the audience or if they want to order spices from you, um, give a shout out to that so as the well. Website is mountain, mountain high if they want to order seasonings there, we're actually coming out with a, not just the bottles, but we're also coming out with a little half ounce trail pack. Is it half ounce or one ounce? We've gone back and forth on that. Uh, there's a switchback outdoors. Just did a private label for those. We're going to have those on the website. It's just oh, a awesome. resealable uh, pack that you can put inside your, put somewhere in your, in your pack. It's a package that you can put in your pack. I should say that mm -hmm. it's a lot of pack in there. And so if you're sitting around a campfire and you want to eat a tenderloin with the guys or by yourself or the family or whatever, it's not weighing you hardly anything to have those seasonings yeah. right there. Plus it might, it might spice up one of those, um, 
I won't say the word, the name for legality reasons, but it rhymes with peak and uh, breakfast skillets. <laughs> so you might well spice some, some, some things up after, you know, day six or seven that you've been eating those in the morning. Give yourself a little bit of flavor. And, there you go. and then uh, lastly, um, I, I run a small nonprofit. If you want to check it out, it's called Rover Regional Outreach Veteran Engagement Resources. That's a big that's, that's a lot of words. I took that over a couple of years ago and we take veterans and gold, gold star spouses uh, in the outdoors, kind of give them a piece of, a piece of solitude, uh, get away from phones and, and connection and, and find a, a deeper connection with themselves and also give them the, some headspace to kind of work on some of their trauma that they're, that they've dealt with some anxieties that's on Facebook or, you know, I'll, I'll shoot you stuff for, for comments or your uh, links yeah. for down below. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll leave the links down below for those and, and definitely appreciate that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that, that's it, man. Like I said, it's an honor. It's, it's been, it's been an amazing experience and I'm waiting. We've already started talking about 24, what we're going to do. Yeah, exactly. So I can't, yeah. I, I can't wait. And then we'll, you and I'll have some conversations about you and I hunting either Utah or over here. Perfect. No, I love it guys. Uh, I'm going to leave the links down below for Joe's different companies and organizations that he's involved with. Um, guys want to make sure that you, uh, get out there and just, we just want you to have a great time, get outdoors, uh, live a, like I always say, a happier, healthier, more successful life. Um, and just really enjoy it. And if you've had any successes this fall, as far as filling tags or any experiences that you want to share, uh, definitely shoot me a message over on Instagram. Uh, or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear them. I love hearing stories from people that uh, are part of the audience. And, and I, I want to make that more personable. So if you have any experiences you want to share, let me know and uh, maybe even get you on the podcast. So thanks, Joe, for, for hopping on and uh, for all your help Welcome. and helping, helping exactly. this bad boy out right here. So uh, being a part of my first ever elk hunt that was successful. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Awesome. It, yeah, truly just a, and truly a blessing too so i agree yeah 100 percent. all right with that being, all right, Jonathan, with that being I appreciate said it. guys yeah with that being said guys as i always say get out live your life and love it wow that was just an outstanding conversation with joe again guys he is such an awesome individual i'm going to leave links down below so that you can go find joe he is just salt of the earth absolutely humble dude that knows a ton loves the outdoors loves sharing his knowledge with others and helping bring people into the outdoors and to enjoy it because it can seem overwhelming sometimes. And Joe is just one of those guys. He's great to get along with, loves to spend time in the outdoors, loves to get to know you. So I'm going to leave the links down below. Again, guys, get into the First Form Outdoors November Knockdown Challenge. If you're listening to this within the first week of this coming out, you can still get entered. Guys, Go check it out. The link is going to be down below. You're going to want to get entered into this. It's working out, getting your heart rate up, and then shooting your bow so you can get that training in, test yourself, have the chance to win up to $10,000, get to First Form Outdoors headquarters out there in St. Louis. You want to do this, guys. That's all I can say. You just want to be a part of it. Check it out down below. Have an amazing rest of your weekend. And of course, get out live your life and love it.